Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics, like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. What does Matrix, Rebel Without a Cause, and the classic weepy movie, Titanic, have in common? You might be surprised to hear what they have in common is that they are all gay. And in fact, according to Milo and Nico, all films are gay. Milo and Nico are an essentially a bloody funny couple. They analyse classic movies and discover that actually, deep in the narrative, are gay tropes. If you love films, and if you love film criticism, this is the podcast for you. With their tongue firmly in their cheek, Milo and Nico convince you that every film is gay. Go download it from a podcatcher of your choice today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
this week's Dumpty Dum is from Marie Bray. It's again. So, we need more Dumpty Dums. This is the last week we're playing this. If we don't have another one, we won't be hearing a Dumpty Dum at the beginning of Dumpty Dum, which was sponsored this week by Jennifer Wern, who became a new Patreon. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the questionable, broken stained glass window who is Royfield Brown. And today you're you're joined by Jacqueline Berto, who is Joy's bestest little friend, also known as Lee. On this episode, we'll hear from Witherspoon, formerly cycling Christine, Richard Lucas, Pip. Vicky Cole, Auntie Jean, Lily and Rachel from Doncaster. Plus, we had a bit of a message from Dan from Stanford, which is kind of lost in the ether. So I'm sorry about that, Dan. It's Rifle's fault. Uh, don't, don't tell it. Dan, completely and utterly my fault. Scrolling through my phone, but it was a blooming neck. So, Dan, sorry. Great call as well. But anyway, apologies. Put those to one side. We're going to have Tweet of the Week from our Purple Pumpkin. And with a social media roundup from our Stephen Bowden. Uh, we're going to have our Facebook roundup and we're going to welcome new members to our Facebook group. But first, let's look at the week in Ambridge from our Sue, Queen or Tart. Hello, lovely people. It's Sue, Queen or Tart on the Twitters and another week in Ambridge. Truly, this was a week of middle-aged white men losing their inhibitions and saying what they thought which is very unusual on archers. Alan shilly-shallied around the window on Sunday and tried to put things off. I was sure he was just going to be an ostrich, stick his head in the sand and wait and see. It's taken a while for him to discover where exactly he put his cojones and now reattached, he told Tasha on Thursday, it's not their window. Natasha or Peggy's or the twins, it's the church's window and he would not support the redesign. Wowzers. Can we have some more of this, please, scriptwriters? Oh, it was good. Alistair and Jacob found out that Paul, new veterinary nurse, was Denise's son. He sounds like a brilliant nurse, and I'd be very happy to have him taking care of our beast. I'd love a chat about musical theatre numbers with him. His mum should be right proud. Martin Gibson was a right homophobic little git when they did an on-site audit at Barrow. Look, there was some actual farming. And Alistair put him in his place most delightfully. Brad decided that he needed to give Ben a rumble in the jungle, but just ended up hitting a gatepost. Oh, bless him. And I'll give him 10 out of 10 for standing up to his, for his sister, but 1 out of 10 for execution. He nearly, nearly ended up asking Mia out after George put him up to it, but he seems to have ended up as her friend instead. And to think they could have been canoodling over their maths. Oh, bless him. Mia then confided to Clary Love that it was all George's fault. I think we can all agree, whatever occurs, if it's not George's fault, it will be attributed to one of the other working-class country yokels. <laughs> Alice and Clary Love made peace when Mia went to the stables and Alice introduced her to the cruelty three ethos of horse care. And then Alice fessed up that she'd been drunk at Nick's funeral. This came as no surprise to Clary Love, who accepted her apology with grace. There were then more baby shenanigans, with half the village thinking Tracy was up the duff, including Chelsea, for about five minutes. That would have been a turn-up for the books. Anyway, Jazza put her right. Natasha confessed to having her termination when she was about Chelsea's age and told Chelsea it was down to her to decide whether she wanted the baby, something Chelsea's been saying all along. I almost liked Natasha for about a minute. 
<laughs> Chelsea gambled with her future, playing cards to finalise her decision. Hearts and diamonds meant keep the baby, spades and clubs have an abortion. She then appeared to play cards until she got the decision she wanted to make. <laughs> At least she's finally made a decision. Now we just have to wait for her to follow through. George to throw another spanner in the works and Peggy to throw a wobbly over the window. That'll be by proxy, of course. Well, till next week then. Should be a good one. Thank you for that, Arsui. Uh, you know when she said she's going to give Brad one out of ten for execution for that punch? I thought it would been rather generous. I wouldn't have given one. It was a lovely scene, though. An utterly a lovely scene. Beautiful, beautiful scene. But what a great week, Royfield. Did you enjoy it? Uh, you know what? I did. I did. Lovely week. Though, the new character that we've had in, right? Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Paul. You know... I don't have a problem with Paul per se. I've got a problem with new characters. I think we need to stop with the new characters, to be honest with you. Unless he's going to... A lot. We've had we've a lot. We've had a yeah. lot. I think unless he's massively going to add something to the village, we don't need another new character. Maybe there's going to be some level of a, a triangle, was the wrong word, but very obviously Alistair... Um, it's got a thing for Denise. We think it's kind of reciprocal. Yeah. Denise's marriage is on the rocks. Maybe yeah. Paul is there to be the thermometer between his parents' marriage and relay that back to Alistair, right? It, that is yeah. the only reason that I can think why we have yet another new character, yet another new voice to get our heads around. We're going, who the hell is this? But I think if if he serves that purpose and he stays in as a proper character, it'd be fantastic because I love that i was a bit irritated in the first the first time i heard him by the fact that he was hyper camp you know da da here i am <laughs> it was really over the top but mm-hmm. i i'm really pleased that he's there and i hope he stays for a bit longer so so you want loads of new characters no no i didn't say that i just liked that character and the way he was introduced mm. Already we're at loggerheads, you and I. Hello, Ambridge3962. Let's start with, I think she's a new caller in and her name is Pip. Hello, Woodfield and this is Pip from not very sunny Thornton Heath in South London. Long-time Archers fan and recent discoverer of Dum Dum and loving it. So thank you very much, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to have a, a quick word about the serious lack of balance when it comes to Chelsea's situation. Because all we're hearing, the way I feel, is that we're hearing from Susan about clearly how she is, you know, sort of pro-life and wants to keep keep the baby. And, and she's making insinuations that Tracy feels the same, although... Tracy is trying to be balanced. I'm not really hearing very much argument in favour of the termination option and, you know, really what her options are, which doesn't really feel very balanced for the BBC. And for a girl of 17, that's a really big topic to be tackling at that age. And as you say in your recent message that, you know, she's a young 17 as well. She's very young. So actually hearing the other side of it as well is quite important and obviously she had that very important conversation with Pip which which was done really nicely there's there's a great way of viewing it in that way it was a great 
way of displaying that. But can't help but think it is quite biased. And, you know, for someone who has previously been in such a situation, I think it's important that young people were able to hear all the options and what the realities could be. So that's just my two pennies worth. And I'm recording this on a very dark Wednesday morning next to a train station. <laughs> Chelsea may have made a decision by this point, but at that current place, she's not. But thanks so much, guys. Bye. I thank you for that. Pip, balance in this storyline. What says you? I completely and absolutely agree with Pip. Brilliant new caller in her. But what are the BBC doing? We're used to balance from the BBC, aren't we? But, but <laughs> is the balance going to be that she's ultimately opted for a termination? It was really interesting speaking to Graham Hervey. And he talked about restrictions that was put on him when he did a GM crop storyline. And it mm. went all the way up in, in the BBC. Yeah. Like, you have to clearly explain the pros and the cons here. And my gut, as somebody who believes in a woman's right to choose, was that there wasn't episode by episode balance. If If we take Tracy's role, it was hard for her not to impress upon what she thought that Chelsea should do. You know, and I waved my flag. I said, she's 17. She's a young 17. Go live your life a little. So I think mm. I come at it from that position. So for me, she should have a termination. So then maybe that's the reason why I think there wasn't balance. Because maybe I wasn't hearing the subtle signals otherwise. And she is right here and now at least she's planning on having a termination but i don't know over to you yeah yeah i could probably come from it from a slightly different angle but with the same uh, preconceptions because i believe she should have a termina termination and maybe pip as well is coming from we don't see the other side because we are so convinced that the best thing for her is to have a termination oh Mm. I've lost the plot. But but I, I really think that's it. If both sides of this, if you believe that life starts at conception, if that's what you believe and you listen to this yeah. storyline and then if you believe a woman has the right to choose, I think you could both be frustrated with this storyline. And if we both sides of the argument are frustrated, maybe balance was achieved. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're absolutely right, Royfield. It's quite interesting that around the omnibus today, I joined in late. In fact, I joined in after the omnibus had aired. And I was on Twitter. Who is a lot of people who think that still she's still going to go through with the pregnancy. So we'll mm. wait and see. We will, Watch we this will wait That's what it's all and about. see, won't we? So that was Pip. Welcome to the gang, Pip. And uh, now let's go for... Ooh. It's my Vicky Cole. Oh, I love me some Vicky. Oh, you're Vicky Cole. Well, just don't tell Mr. Cole. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Vicky Cole in Wiltshire. Sorry it's been so long since I called in. I have finally managed to listen to the Archers in time to call in. I'm sure I'm not going to be the only one calling in saying it's utterly nonsense that Alistair didn't know who Paul was, that he was in the same company even. It, it's just completely stupid. I hope he's not going to be around very long. I find him intensely irritating. It all seems a bit strange, Alice, the way Alistair and Jakob behaved and talked about him. The thing with Martin Gibson wasn't exactly subtle, was it? And 
Chelsea's decision at last, hooray. I was a bit confused by the whole playing cards thing and thinking, what on earth is going on here? But actually, it has led her to make a decision. I should be very interested to hear if Witherspoon has anything to say about this way of making a decision. It's something we have tried to do is you make a decision, you, you choose one of your options, and then imagine how you would feel the next morning waking up having made it. And I sort of wonder if that's the same thought process that Chelsea has gone through with the cards almost. Anyway, lots of love to everybody. Hope you're all well. Thanks for the podcast. Bye. Ta-ra, Vicky. <laughs> you're not listening to the calls, Royfield, are you? You're watching the Grand Prix. I can hear people moaning behind me. Lewis Hamilton is leading. There are 12 laps to go. Max Verstappen is 2.3 seconds behind him and slowly catching him. It's dramatic. Exactly. It is dramatic. Right. So just ignore Royfield and I'll witter on. Vicky, I, I quite agree with her with her assessment, but I, I like Paul. I like Paul and I, I didn't like Alice's reaction to him, but there we go. Does everybody agree on that one, Vicky? Chelsea's decision, thank God she's made a decision, but I'm still not sure that it's going to stick. I'm, I'm being persuaded by people on Twitter. Mm. Mm. The fact that this has taken so long for the decision to play out says to me, Mm. Something extraneous is going to come in. Now she's actually now finally made yeah. the decision. But who knows? Who knows? We are just in the hands of the, the gods of Ambridge here. Absolutely. And that's what we like, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. That's what I we're here know. for. I don't know. You know. Well, I love it. I love that. <laughs> anyway, my Vicky, lovely to hear from you. And yes, it's been a very long time since you've called in a Vicky Cole. So please call in but again soon. Can I just hmm? say, Vicky called in from Wiltshire. Well, we've heard from Vicky from Kenya, Sri Lanka, Wiltshire. Sorry, Vicky, you're becoming a bit tame. Can you call in from somewhere more exotic? Talking about being exotic, it occurred to me that everybody calls you Jacqueline, the French way. Jacqueline, I'm delighted or are you Jacqueline? I'm Jacqueline. Of course, I'm Jacqueline. Really? So when you come back home and you yeah. go back home to Immingham, do you, do you announce <laughs> yourself as Jacqueline Berto? Do you? No, I'm Jack. There, I'm Jack. Not even Jack, but Jack. Not even Jack. No, I'm Jack. Got it. Right, smashing. Uh, my family call me Jack. Right, smashing. <laughs> now, now we've got that cleared up. It's time to go on for, to formally cycling Christine. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and all fellow Dumpty Dummers. This is formally cycling Christine here. A couple of points. Firstly, there was a lot of talk about surely Jacob and Alistair would have realised that Paul was Denise's son, even though they had different surnames. I'd just like to say that as someone who kept their own surname when they got married 38 years ago, it was quite believable to me that they didn't. Over the years, people I've known for a very long time who knew that I kept my maiden name would still assume that I had the same surname as my husband and would address things either to both of us under his name or under my name. People, It's so ingrained, people just assume that if you're married, you have the same name. And if you tell them you haven't, they just forget about it because surely that can't be right. Secondly, Friday was taken up with Chelsea finally having made her decision. I have to say that I still think that over the weekend, before she actually has the termination, she'll feel the baby kick and then she'll change her mind. I'm sure that's why we had all the fuss about the dates. 
it's leading on to the fact that she's further on than she thought and that will happen anyway thanks very much for the show love it every week bye tatty bye christine hmm everyone's perplexed about this length aren't they you know she said exactly what, what, what i've just said what we've just said yeah yeah i think we're all in agreement with you christine mm. you're all singing from the same songbook mm. thrown to pigeon or not now yeah. should they have known that paul was denise's son nah no i don't think I so don't think, i, I think it's quite either Quite feasible that Denise has got a son, got a different name. He's obviously been employed by Lyle, Mm. whatever they're called. Yeah, whatever they're called. We don't all talk about our families in a professional setting. Here's the thing, though. You're right. We don't all talk about our families in, in a professional setting. But, 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 but. She has talked about things being a little bit dodgy at home, hasn't she? She She has. She has. The cycling husband. Yeah. Her and Alistair have got a little bit closer. You'd think she'd meant, oh, yeah, my son, who's also, he's a veterinary nurse. Yeah. No, it was surprising that Alistair didn't know about her having a veterinary nurse son. Mm. But but it's just the minutiae, isn't it? It's not the real stuff. It's just, I I think it's something. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a big difference between married... And then you come in on a Monday morning and you say, oh, my Paul's son came round and we had eat for Sunday dinner, you know. Yeah, that's true. It's that type of thing, really, isn't it? Yeah. And we've heard Denise talk about the fact that a marriage isn't going that well with her husband. He literally leads a, a semi kind of separate life, so to speak. So to casually yeah. just say, Paul this, Paul that, oh, you know, Paul's got a new position. You know, you go into <laughs> yeah, Royfield, it was such great cinema. Cinema? Yes, I do know her. She's my mum. Cinema on the <laughs> I radio. Just love that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's great drama. Great, great uh, drama. Dramatic. Denise is my mum. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was a great end. It was one of those funny things that that as soon as Alistair started saying you don't know her, I thought, something's gonna happen here. There you go. Royfield. Yes, Jack. How do people get in touch with us like Christine? I I was just coming on to that. Best and easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum. Don't forget the T in the middle. And also you can find a link in our show notes. We need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind we you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now this is the People's Podcast, so we need you, the people, to give us a little bit of assistance. There are a few things you can do. First off, if you haven't done so already, go tell a friend, an auntie, an uncle, a neighbour about the wonderful world that is dum-de-dum. Uh, you can hit the subscribe button on whatever podcatcher you listen to us on. And if you wouldn't mind, awfully, 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 um, give us a five-star review, preferably on Apple Podcasts. And there is a link as to how you can do that in the show notes if you're a little bit confused. And also, you don't need an Apple device actually to write a review. So if you've got your Android phone, I think you can still do it. Now, finally, the third thing, is that you can consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon is a way of tipping creators like Dum Dum, and there are different levels with different rewards. So if you could go to patreon.com and search for Dum Dum, we'd be chuffed to bits to have your support. You can become a new Patreon just like Jennifer Warren uh, did uh, this week. Now, 
we have some special breaking news for our Patreons, which is another reason why you should actually join up uh, Patreon. Uh, quite simply, uh, Graham Harvey, who I interviewed uh, a week ago now, who's the ex-agricultural uh, script editor of The Archers, has given us uh, about six pages of his soon-to-be-published book. These are going to be made available to our PayPal subscribers and to our Patreons. So if you want to get uh, get your hands on uh, some bits of this soon-to-be-published book, get it before everybody else, become a Patreon. Now back to our caller in Richard here on a high-speed train between Krakow and Gdansk with blazingly, blazingly fast Wi-Fi and excellent food. Just saying. I won't have too many topics this week because I felt a bit mocked last week for having too many. So I'll kick off by saying I very much like the Alastair Paul Denise communication channel. I imagine emotionally retarded Alastair trying to virtue signal the way he mentors and manages Paul and presumably feedback about Denise's reaction coming over the next few weeks and months and Paul ending up coaching both of them and how to communicate with each other. I love the way that Alistair stood up for Paul against Martin Gibson's homophobia and the, the, the forced apology. It led me to wonder, are there gender-neutral toilets in the or are there any public toilets at all in Ambridge? Important question. I don't think it's ever been discussed. There ought to be. Just on the subject of Russ and his divorce money, I don't see how it can possibly be money left over from any sale of a marital home because he had to borrow money from Elizabeth at some station here. Did he ever pay her back? At this, and I did wonder at this stage when Russ was a potential candidate for being the person responsible for getting... Chelsea pregnant, whether Elizabeth might not draw in blue crayon an image of Russ onto the famous picture called Betrayal. But obviously that potential plot development fizzled out. All the best to all of you. Thanks very much. And I hope this is an exceptionally small number of topics for a single call. Looking forward to hearing more about the meetup. All the best, Richard. Oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Really? Sorry, Richard. What's happened? No, I just think that Richard felt mocked by us because he'd put so many things in. It's just our way of being, Richard. It wasn't serious. We're a bit mocky anyway, both of us, aren't we? Not me. Not me. Oh, you no, speak sorry, for yourself. Me. Okay, then. You speak for yourself. Now, okay. did I actually see you commit these points to paper whilst Richard was speaking? Yes. All right. So why don't you go through yes. the various points? And by the All way, right, bad news, Max Verstappen has just passed Lewis Hamilton. With six laps oh, to go. No, I knew that you were you are hyper distracted. Mm. So, hey, do you know he's amazing, Richard? He's on a train between Krakow and Gdansk, and he's got brilliant Wi-Fi and brilliant food. I thought that was incredible. Sorry, you felt wait, wait, mocked, wait, 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 uh, Richard. I don't upset any Polish people <laughs> because I, I've been to Poland once or twice, and I know m- many Polish people. Polish food, brilliant. Hmm. Isn't it all just like on the train? No, the train food. The train food. He was talking about the tr- mm. the train food, Roy. Food. I just thought it's all. It's a lot of potatoes and cabbage. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then give you I've got, I've got a Polish sister-in-law, so I can't say much. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I love Polish people, but like brilliant food on a train. No. Oxymoron. But 
No, I, I don't agree with you, Roy Field. Stop being so so rigorous in your descriptions of things. If you were on a train in England, would you have a good food? You'd have, you wouldn't in France. You'd have flappy sandwiches flappy. and wheat coffee. Flappy. Flappy. I like you know, that. Limp. But no, he had good food. So, well, he also had stiff sandwiches. So he wasn't, he was mocked. So, no, sorry, 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 sorry. Alistair Paul Denise. Communication, that's what he talked mm-hmm. about. And in the end, Alistair stood up for Paul. So he went from being, it felt like he was homophobic. Do you him. think not only did Alistair have a moral right on his side, but also he's thinking, I'm going to be this kid's stepfather one day. So, of course, I'm going to. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted to take it all very seriously and say, yes, he was actually, he was being a bit like, you know, you know, like we would have said in the 1980s. But, but no, in fact, I think he was thinking, eh, I might end up in a relationship with this kid's mum. Mm. I did see on the Twitters, I can't remember why I was on Twitter, but I did fall into that social media platform a few days ago and somebody made the comment and you don't do that nah, often do you nah, i'm over twitter somebody made the comment that things are too neatly packaged up sometimes on the archers and they're referring to alistair with, with martin gibson I, I i suppose that what they wanted was a full a more full-throated guttural response from alistair but that's just not alistair is it it's not alistair no not alistair. no not at all I would never have expected that from Alistair. Mm. But he did say, what the hell are you talking about? You know, he did put him in his place. But but I, for one, appreciate when we get a bigot on the show. I've said it a thousand times before. I loved <laughs> Sid Perks. And this is kind of something which Witherspoon's going to hint at later. But he wasn't portrayed totally as an all-rounded great guy. Sid was wonderful, but he was homophobic. Indeed, and yeah, they, absolutely. You know, and they didn't shy away from when Adam was playing in the cricket team and stuff and, and Sid going, oh, I'm oh. not happy about this, not normal, not right type of thing. No. You had that moral ambiguity as the listener because Sid, apart from that, exemplary, exemplary. Yeah, good, fun guy, great stories around mm-hmm. him, family man, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, great uh, dad to Jamie. No, you're right. But he was a homophobe. And and I like that when they they mess with our heads a little, that no one is perfect. Now, on that point, oh, do we have anything more from Richard? Because you've got all the notes. Yeah, he did. Because he talked about Russ and money. Because he, we talked last week about where did Russ get his money from? And I had the audacity to suggest that maybe there was a house and money came out of the house from his first marriage. And Russ pointed out that, reminded me completely, that Russ had to borrow money from Elizabeth at some point. Mm, sorry. And I'd forgotten that When completely. I screwed my face up, that's because Hamilton's fallen out of DRS. He's fallen behind Verstappen. I was talking <laughs> very seriously about Russ and you were pulling, you were looking like, oh my he's, God, what's she he's on given about? Up. He's given up. He's settling for second. God sorry, sorry, it. dear listeners. I am giving a hundred percent here, and Royfield, he's only giving. No, it's less than fifty no, no, percent no, no. now. <laughs> Madame Berto, I'm giving a hundred percent to the Grand Prix. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we play the next All call, right. which should be from Witherspoon? Right, okay. I think. Uh, let's do Witherspoon. That gives me about one minute forty seconds to concentrate on the Grand Prix. <laughs> Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. 
Mercy. Greetings, Royfield, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I'd like to start with congrats to Nick Warburton on an incredibly well-written, entertaining, and thought-provoking week. Quite a number of Ambridge residents had their moments in the sun. I loved Alan standing up to clueless Natasha, but then Natasha being so insightful with and kind to Chelsea. I love Brad swinging wildly at Josh and badly missing, but then being so dorkily cute with Mia. I especially like that bit. And kind to his sister. I love Mia being so confused by Brad, but then talking to Alice about horses. I loved Alice being so supportive of Mia, and then being awkward but brave in apologizing to Clary and continuing in her journey of recovery. A special shout-out to Chelsea, for confusing me and her family about the cards, but then finally making a decision based on much deliberation, advice from others, and thinking about her future. I do hope there are no last-minute complications. Finally, but most importantly to me, Paul. When he was introduced, I was a bit surprised and questioned what I was hearing, as my gaydar was pinging like mad. But it became clear that Paul was indeed an openly gay and totally comfortable with who he is individual. I was concerned about Alistair and his initial negative reaction on Wednesday, followed by his mixed feelings on Thursday, but by Friday he was a supportive ally. I know a lot of that had to do with his feelings about Denise, but I think about Paul and Alistair versus Adam and Brian, and we know that the archers and we hope society have come a long way. It's always a work in progress. Talk to you soon. Mm. Well, my list of notes from that particular call was long because what a great caller with Spoon. Mm. I know you've got the, your handle on the, uh, the comings and going, but the thing I took away from it was absolutely that. The difference between Paul and Alistair and the fact that Alistair was, I've written off, off, on because he had three days where he had a reaction to Paul and the the reaction between Brian with Adam and his gayness when all those years ago when Adam came out was brilliant, 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 brilliant. Thank you very much, Witherspoon. But a good breakdown of all those great conversations that we had this week. And I agree with him. I thought Nick Warburton completely and utterly deserves congratulations because it was a good week in the Archers. Mm, It was. You know, we also had Alan being prodded into a decision. You know, we went yeah, through his great. thought process as well. But wasn't that great that he was helped by Jim? Absolutely. Who's an atheist. Absolutely. And the fact that Jim the atheist helped him make a decision. But Alan was irritating me in the earlier parts of that story because I kept thinking, God, for goodness sake, say what you think. And then suddenly, as I said on Twitter, but other people said as well, he grew up pair. He was shamed by Jim into making a decision. And, and to be honest with you, as somebody who is conflict averse, as I am, I will freely admit, you know, I shy yeah. away from a rock. Uh, I yeah, absolutely I do. But the wait and see policy is one which I frequently employ. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> let's just see. Yes, I knew. I knew. <laughs> yes. Yes. What do you think about that? I know that. You've done that before. <laughs> 
way. It was it was a great week. It was a great week. It was a good week. Uh, you got any more notes? Got he the rustling of paper there. God, I have to tell you, my notes on the soon's call is so right. long. Well, you you um, can continue. I want to talk about Alice though. But mm. we had a call and an absolutely brilliant call from Auntie Jean. Here we go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, Dumpty Dums. Auntie Jean here. I have things to say about Clara's conversation with Alice, and I'll get right to it. It annoys me slightly that when I see tweets, people don't seem to understand alcoholism, and I think I have an insight because my father was an alcoholic, a really bad one, and other family members have had it, and it's a disease. It it isn't something you can pick up and put down. Some people are lucky enough to have the help to stop drinking and other people aren't and Alice so far has managed it whether that's realistic or not I don't know my father never managed it and it's no good saying I can understand Clary's point of view Alice should not have done what she did but she had no choice it's a disease she was it was the alcohol that was talking and she could not stop drinking and she's had help and hopefully she stopped not everybody manages that I I completely understand, and of course, Clary had every right to say what she did, but there's another person who just doesn't understand what it's like to be an alcoholic. I lived with it for years. I was often, as a five, six, seven-year-old child, put in a room with my father who was drunk because they knew I was the one person he would not kick off with. And it's not it's not as simple as saying, oh, she could stop drinking, she should never have done it, blah 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 It doesn't work like that. It just doesn't. And people ought to be more understanding. That said, Clary had every right to say it. And what should have happened was somebody should have got Alice out of there. I once went to a golden wedding. Some guy got drunk. I picked him up. I put him outside. I got a taxi. I said, don't come back. You're not welcome. It's quite simple. It can be done. Bye. Oh, Auntie Jean, what a brilliant call. Like you, I've lived with people who struggle with addictions 
and that not the not understanding on in the general world of people of, by people that say things she should have done this she should have done that it's not that easy alcoholism alcoholism i don't know how to say alcoholism. that in english alcoholism oh, sorry sorry alcoholism <laughs> is a disease and it's true now i found it very very cathartic that accepted and acknowledged alice's apology without actually really accepting it but it was good it was good it was very good that came out and that was one of the things that came out from things that i read on the social medias was that how fantastic that people listen to the archers a thing that happened what was it, five years ago? It's come full circle. Stories are good and they keep keep on coming back to us. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a connective tissue and there are ramifications and, uh, you know, and afters, shall we say. And that is one of the reasons why we enjoy this. And, and also what it does do, it, it rewards people of a, a certain vintage, doesn't it? Ha-ha, see, see, it see what they've done there and you know, yeah. thank you for linking this back up, etc. Which I hope encourages newer listeners to keep on because there's a lot of talk about, I don't like this, I don't like these young people being brought in, I don't like blah, 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 you know, I don't like the storyline, I can't cope with the storyline, I understand the not coping with the storyline, but... As a person who's a bit of a sticker to things, I'm not a great giver-upper on things, I think that the Archers is something that really keeps on giving, you know, and it comes back to us all the time, the stories, the connections to the stories, so, Mm. you know. One thing I would say in respect to what Auntie Jean said, you gave us a very heartfelt window into your family and your childhood. Yeah, thanks for that, Auntie Jean. It's very touching, and thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Great call. Absolutely. Hello, this is Lily calling in from Hertfordshire. I'm calling in with a couple of predictions. First, I don't think that Chelsea's choice to have an abortion is going to affect her life in the long term. I think that she is going to go on and be very happy and very successful. I think she might be paired up with maybe Josh or Mia. Very similar, I think, in terms of being outspoken, being ambitious, having a bit of an attitude. So I think, yeah, there's some really interesting partnership potential there. I think that the abortion choice is going to impact Beth and Ben. I think the first that's going to be maybe our Christmas Day reveal that maybe Beth still struggling with her relationship with Ben and where she fits in with the art. I think that's all going to blow up over the Christmas dinner table. And I think it is if they do stay together, I do think it's going to rear its head again later on in a few years, maybe when they're trying for a family of their own. And maybe they struggle to conceive naturally or maybe aren't able to conceive naturally. And this old wound is going to rear its head again. So, yeah, not necessarily bringing in Chelsea, but I think certainly massively impacting Beth and Ben's future, which is a shame because I think they're a really nice couple and there was a lot of potential there. So, yeah, we will see. Thank you so much for all you do. I really enjoy the podcast. Thank you again. Royfield and Jacqueline. Yeah, another Jacqueline. Thank you, Lily. Mm. I agree with you, and I'm very glad that you've talked about the impact on Ben and Beth eventually as they are going to stay together. I hope so, although I think they're very young anyway. But so it's Chelsea's choice is having an impact further on along the line, but it's not going to affect her 
maybe somewhere in the back of her mind it will, but so many people have made that choice to have an abortion and their lives carry on, but it's the impact on other people. So I agree, Lily. Thank you for that prediction. Thank you indeed, Lily. And from Lily, we now go to Bernadette. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Archers fan 2015 here, Bernadette Hawks. I have been listening to the Archers since I was a small girl with my mum and as an adult for over four decades. I nearly gave up completely two weeks ago. The Archer seems to have lost its way. Ridiculous storylines, scripts and characters acting completely out of character all the time. The Chelsea pregnancy and indecision was interminable. There have been elongated storylines before, e.g. Helen and Rob. However, it had a purpose. I suppose the Chelsea storyline had has a purpose, but in terms of unexpected pregnancy, the major fact which was ignored was the notion of urgency. I stopped listening for a week as the unnecessary dragging out of the issues with no proper information, re Chelsea getting help, was tortuous. If the archers continues like this, I may have to give up listening for good. Oh, isn't that sad to hear? Thank you for your call, Bernadette. I, for one, would be very sad if you left the Archer's family. But I understand. Bernadette, are you really going to leave? Don't all of us Archer's fans of a certain vintage go through times when we you know, we get, get a little bit angry, want to throw something at our radios and go, oh, bloody hell, and whatever. But it's deep in our souls. It's deep in our psyche. We can't even, we can't really let it go. You know what? We're a bit addicted. That's what it is. We are a bit addicted. You know, we hear that and all of a sudden part of us just comes back. You know, we can't let it go. It's a drug. It's our drug. (laughs) Yes, but I think Bernadette, you know, she's saying what a lot of people are saying, that they're not sure where it's going and who these characters are. And do they relate to them? Mm. And so I can understand that from that point of view. Personally, I will never give give up on the archers. It's here. It's me. It's who I am. (laughs) It's who I am. I like that. Archers till you die. Yeah, in fact, I'll tell you what. I know you don't like me talking about other programs, but... This week, the 100 years of the BBC on on Strictly Come Dancing, they didn't even mention the archers. I was distraught. Nonsense. Really? How is that even possible? I know, exactly. So there we go. But thanks for your call, Bernadette. Now, I believe we are one away from completing our caller in us. Hiya, it's Rachel from Doncaster here. It was a fun week, wasn't it? I really enjoyed it. I really like that big reveal about Paul being Denise's son. That was fun. And I wasn't quite sure if Alistair was maybe being a bit homophobic when he took against him. But I think Alistair's just having a lot of trouble processing his feelings and acknowledging what's going on for him and it's like Jacob knows. Come on Alistair, work it out. But although that storyline was it I'm a little bit like, oh, because I feel like representation of gay and bisexual men in Ambridge is just, I just feel like it's time for more lesbians. It's been such a long time and we've had so little representation of lesbians and bisexual women. I just feel it's our turn soon. Anyway, George. So what do we think of George now? Like, I do like to think the best of people. And is it okay for me to entertain the thought that, 
he really is just being nice to Brad, trying to set Brad and Mia up. Because I think Brad and Mia are a brilliant idea. I am all behind it. I think that's really cute. Yeah, is he is he acting just out of being nice to Brad? Like, I feel like he was originally presented and we were just like, oh, here's a new, like, Clive Horribin-esque villain. And then he got a bit soft around the edges and was like, okay, so he's dyslexic and we can have a bit of empathy for him. And obviously we've got empathy for his backstory being all a bit complicated, his childhood. But yeah, I mean, you know, when we first met him, he did set fire to the post box. And (laughs) wasn't that just being nice to Susan that he did that for? So am I being naive (laughs) or can I just think he is being nice? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, whoops, Rachel. Are you being naive? Do you think she's being naive, Rifle? Well, they've deliberately hit us with a one-two punch, haven't they? So they led in. The first punch was, you know, somebody who has no respect for, for, for law. Well, is it Grundy? Yeah, but it's a bit horribin too, remember, which is even worse than Grundy. That's true. If, if, <laughs> you know, in terms of criminality, <laughs> Grundy's a, a lovable rogues whereas the horribins have been out and out villains historically on this even susan went to jail there you go there you go even susan went to jail <laughs> so the, so they led in with all the bad stuff and then we do remember him nicking money out of the church and then his great uncle bert having to take the rap for it alf alf thank you and then and as we've started to affix an opinion to George, then they've gone, oh, you can't really read and actually, you know. Yeah. And, and I thought... There is that sympathy yeah, mode. And, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Rachel here in that I just saw this as typical teenage boy kind of joshing. But actually, what a good friend would do at that age, you go up to the object of your friend's affections and you kind of tell them. That's what happens. And he didn't yeah, do it. It felt friendly. Yeah, he yeah. didn't do it in terms of, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe who likes you type of way. I'm with Rachel no. here. I'm with Rachel on that. Now, that's we dealt with the second part of her call. The first part of mm. her call was ended with the question, where are the lesbians or bisexual women in Ambridge? And I totally and utterly agree with her. I just feel that we're, the thing with Ambridge is it's stuck in that kind of in-between time where there aren't enough lesbian women around. Um, you sent, no, I live you, in a small village. Yes, I was going to say, you sent me a, a, a message about, about diversity. I did. And I'm very keen on exploring the idea that why isn't Ambridge more diverse? I'm probably encroaching on Ambridge, no, uh, Cambridge's territory here. But for me, diversity in Ambridge is so minima- minimalized. I want to know why. Is it though? It comes from is the it? editorial is it? team. All right. Number one. Yes, it is. I put it to you. I, I, I throw this out for discussion. Number one, we have a gay couple, an out gay couple. One uh, gay one, couple. One second. Madame, one second. Okay. Right. Sorry. We have, Sorry, Monsieur Brown. We have Alan the Vicar, who has a biracial, mixed-race daughter, who's had a prominent storyline. We have a black vet's assistant, and we've got to presume either her black son, who's also gay, or at least mixed-race, right? Because we know that Denise is black, right? So I put it to you, 
So just off the top of my head, and that's before I go Nolatando, and admittedly she hasn't been in it for a little while. I go Nolatando and Sipo, and I go, there's somebody else I just thought off the top of my head. Right. Anyway, I put it to you that in an English rural village, we actually do have some level of true representative diversity. Again, this is an, there you go, Carol uh, Trigoran's daughter who was in she in ambridge i I know we haven't she's a character in a a vague character Mm. she is a professional white woman who happens to be who's gay i agree yeah so i put it to you if we're looking at this really there's a certain oh wait a minute who's that who's we've got adil as well he's alan frank's married to usha a a solicitor yeah who's of a south asian ethnicity yeah i'm telling you yeah i'm the black person on the podcast i'm right i'm saying this is an english no and i still don't think diversity no i'm sorry rory fields i'm i'm arguing the part (laughs) of more diversity but wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) right i think we've changed ambridge 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 is in the english countryside it's not an inner city suburb where you know oh no but it's not far from it i'm sorry i put it to you madam we have diversity (laughs) and i've just given you a whole load of characters but but how many of these diverse characters Mm. are successful all the successful people are white British people. And that isn't true to life. That isn't true to where we're coming from in this day and age. I, I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely think that we're not being underserved with diversity. Now, admittedly, I'm, I'm a heterosexual male, right? So I have to, you know, wear that T-shirt in, in this debate but i don't think i've ever been anti my gay brothers and sisters right i don't think anyone <laughs> no. could ever accuse me of that right but we have an out happily so couple in the village raising a son there has been in recent past a female gay character there are people who are black and brown usha is a successful character she is a successful character to, to your point Right. She's a successful solicitor. Yeah. She is. Right. I think yeah. that, you know, if you're to do a demographic breakdown of a typical modal English village of which there are about 100 characters who float in and float out, actually, and, and of which out of those 100 characters, about a good 30 to 40 of them are really pretty minor characters who've never had major storylines and stuff. So let's say it comes down to about 60 to 70 characters. I actually think this is, we're actually doing quite well. It's quite representative. If this was set in Neutrals in Birmingham, different argument. If this was set in Hackney in, in, in East London, different argument. If this was set in somewhere in Manchester, potentially, different argument. But I, I think, you know, I think they've done a pretty decent job. I concur. I'll let you. I'll let you get away with that now. We've got so much more to do, (laughs) but I think we need to have a deeper discussion at another date. Not for this. You know what we have done? We've we've what Rachel from Doncaster has done is started a conversation, which is somewhat of a perennial one on the show. Is do we have enough diversity? I think it's just about right. But I'll hold my hand up that as a as a a heterosexual male 
that maybe I'm, I'm not looking at things deeply enough. And just because it's set in, in a village doesn't mean that there the couldn't and shouldn't be more. Right now, we have dispensed with our caller in errors. And now it's going to go on to email in errors. After you, Madame Berto. Yeah, we had just the one this week, which was from Deirdre Egan, which was entitled Chelsea and the Dice Man. First, my Archer's Vintage is 2016 and the Helen Rob storyline. I'm Australian and was introduced to the Archers by my Liverpoolian husband, David. Listening to Brad and Chelsea over a pack of cards sounded like a conversation between Alan Turing and the Dice Man. Brad was taken aback by her lack of logic and was all but, 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 and Chelsea was like a drowning person grabbing a passing stick. For those not familiar with The Dice Man, this 1971 book by George Cox, writing under the pseudonym of Luke Reinhardt, tells the story of a psychiatrist who makes decisions based on the role of a dice. Things don't work out well. And I don't recommend this as an ongoing storyline. However, as Pete Ranson on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group explains, tossing a coin is a well-known way to make a decision. The key is checking how you feel when the coin falls. If you're happy with the results, it's the right decision for you. If you're disappointed, then your gut is telling you to take the other choice and you do that. Tossing the coin helps short-circuit analysis paralysis, procrastinating over a decision through looking for more and more information. This is a challenging storyline and there's much more to come. I was glad of the comic relief of Alistair's reference to Ken Dog, Dodd and his tickling stick. Thanks. Regards, Deirdre from Melbourne. Thank you for that, Deidre. And I also love the Ken Dodd reference as well. Made me smile. Made me smile. Also had a quick prediction from Mike Jennings, who sent it via WhatsApp. And the number for WhatsApp is plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. That's plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. Hello, hope all is well. Just wanted to throw a quick prediction over. I reckon Mike is a scammer. Preys on lonely and naive middle-aged women, sweeps them off their feet, declares love, and starts to siphon the money away. Romance fraud. Well, thank you for that, Mike Jennings. And what a cynical listener you are. There's me just thinking. Mike has just come in just to provide a little bit of comfort for a woman who's very obviously a little bit lonely. But only time will tell as to what his true intentions are. I think they're just intentions of cuddling on long cold winter's evenings myself but anyway so so that's electronic messages into us and now let's hear what our facebook friends have been talking about on facebook hello you two Stephen here with this week's roundup of the conversations on the dumpty dum facebook group at the start of the week chelsea had still to take a decision about her pregnancy And in what was possibly the best discussion of the week, Pam DeLay was pondering what would have happened if she had become pregnant at 17. Would her parents have parented like Tracy? Or would she have been held hostage until a decision for the next step had been made? Anne Gambrell's daughter did get pregnant at 17. I always thought if that happened, I would tell her she was on her own. When it did happen, all I saw was a scared and frightened young girl, and so my attitude changed. For Claire Hinckley, it was even more personal. 
This storyline is a bit of a trigger. I was 17 too. For me, my mum was angry with an, I'll tell your dad. Then my dad was, whatever you decide, it's up to you. It's your choice. I made the choice to have the operation. I think my mum was upset with me as she didn't offer to help. And I arranged it all myself, even down to making the phone calls from the phone box. Rafi J wasn't op- optimistic about what might have happened. My mother would have gone through the roof. She'd still be yelling at me now. She'd have carted me off for a termination had she the opportunity as soon as possible. No discussion, no support. I remember an aunt did just that with a cousin of mine. We were ruled by fear and would never have dared have a boyfriend. I ran away at 16, never went back. They were phenomenally strict. Leslie Daly also commented from experience. My daughter had a clear understanding of all her options and chose to terminate. She knew I'd do my best for her whatever she decided. And there were many more contributions to that thread which are well worth checking out. Elsewhere in Ambridge, is love in the air? So, said Rob Williams, a new romance blossoming. Mia and Brad I'm talking about. According to Natasha Cern, they are made for each other. I ship it, added Justina Novkovska. Elizabeth Byrne had one concern, though. Are they related? Catherine Pacey was able to offer reassurance. Related through marriage, but not by blood. Brad is the son of Tracy, who is sister to Susan, who is mother to Emma, who married first Will, then Ed Grundy. Mia is the daughter of the ill-fated, much-missed Nick. Nick married Will Grundy, who then became Mia's stepdad and raised her after Nick's death. Hope you're keeping up. The week ended with Chelsea making her decision, which generated a long discussion initiated by Nolle Griffin, who compared Chelsea's decision-making technique to one used by Phoebe in an episode of Friends. This is an emotive topic, but it was good to see that pretty much everybody who contributed stayed on the right side of respectfulness towards other Dumpty Dummers. I'm not going to try to summarise such a complicated discussion, but I would encourage you to read, contribute to it with your own views and experiences. In other threads, Jackie Fear congratulated Alan for having grown a pair over the window. Darcy Jorgensen felt that she couldn't really think she could possibly dislike Natasha even more after she gossiped about seeing Tracy at the hospital. Melly McMerryweather shared a picture of somebody illustrating the different spellings of there, there and there. Not Russell Jones in this case, but the great Stephen King. Philippa Verica posted a clip from the Inbetweeners which appeared to show them dancing to Barrett Green. And Louise Lawton posted a link to The Archers and Oral History, which is part of the BBC's 100th anniversary celebrations and well worth reading. And with that... I'll return you to the studio. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, everybody who's posted their thoughts to our Facebook group. Now we go on to, so if we're doing Facebook, now it's time for us to talk about our new lovely members. Yes, and this week we've had many lovely new members. Steve Joyce. Ellie Green. Michelle Evans. Jude Fletcher. And Gambrell, Lucy Ainsley, Christine King, Jessica Rachel, Wave Dainwright, and Gillian Vernon. Thanks for all for all of you for joining us on our Facebook. Have we had any reviews this week, Roy Fields? We have had two two five star reviews. Ooh, two five star reviews. The first one is entitled "New Friends." 
I discovered this relatively recently after seeing a review in the Radio Times. Yay, Radio Times! How on earth did I not know about this before? I've been listening to the Archers for over 20 years and I've never been able to discuss it with anyone, as in my circle, I am the only listener. I now have the joy of listening to the presenters and caller in talk about the week's events. They are brilliant and so entertaining. Keep going, guys. It's fab and I must email or call sometime as every week I have my own thoughts that aren't always in agreement with, which is how it should be to spark debate on the life of the goings-on in Ambridge. Thank you from boring old me via Apple Podcasts. Great. Thank you for joining us. The second review is entitled Addictive Five Stars. This podcast is fantastic. Royfield's return is most welcome. Great weekly discussions and contributions. And that's from Sunday Trekker. Thank you. Your mum right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> she didn't. Because she wouldn't have called me Royfield. She would have said Roy's return if it was my mum. Now, folks, we're on Twitter under the at Dumpty Dum. We always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your opening for the tweet-along, both in the evenings and during the omnibus. Please try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweets so more people can get to see it, which helps to keep our lovely family growing. As well as following us on Twitter, at Dumpty Dum, Madame Bertot. How can you be found? I'm at Ber- Jberto Sanguin. We're talking about Twitter, it's time for Tweet of the Week. I'm Purple Pumpkin. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. I'm afraid many of the Twitterati seem to have been in the doldrums this week. Perhaps it's something to do with events in Westminster. The vitriol was more evident on Twitter than the humour. My tip of the week, if you'd like a slightly serious read, is from Julia Robinson, at Jew Robinson, who shared a link to an article about university students with sugar daddies that definitely takes the edge off any nudge-nudge-wink-wink out of the storyline about Rory and Julianne. It suggests that perhaps 4% of students are currently signed up to such sex work and most do not come out unscathed. But to the medal positions for the humour this week... In bronze position, it's Let Love Win, at All This and Less, posting ahead of the last episode of the week. So, Friday, what do you have in store for us in Ambridge? Mia asks Brad out, George outed as an incel virgin, Peggy still in intensive care after the Reverend Alan Franks broke the truth to Natasha. Well, I think we got most of that out of the week, didn't we? In silver, it's Gareth. At GJ Marklu, explaining to at Ginger Beans and at Budgie 500 whether Brad and Mia are related. Not really. Mia's mum, Nick, was married to Will, whose brother, Ed, is married to Brad's cousin, Emma, who was briefly married to Will. It's simple. And in gold, it's Neil Wallington, at Dr. Wallington. Jim says with a sneer that the window will be advertising for the archers, but the audience is declining, we need to attract younger listeners, and there's nothing that piques the interest of the crucial 16 to 25 age group like a stained glass window. That's it from me this week. See you all again at the next tweet along. 
Thank you, Theo. Thank you, our Purple Pumpkin. Don't forget, folks, we are also on Instagram if you love that social media platform. And you can follow us there where we are at Dumbly Dum. And it's got to be said, Katie, who runs that for us. You are doing such an awesome job. Provides me with nothing but smiles. If you are on Instagram or if you're Instagram adjacent, get yourself over there. Follow us where we are at Dumbly Dum. And thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy V. Freeman. Et voila, Monsieur, B- Monsieur Brown. Et voila, but it's not quite the end. So there's a little bit of chatter about music disappearing from the end of the podcast. Now, if you follow UK politics, you will know that things are somewhat tumultuous at the moment we don't know if we're up or down left or right each day is a new prime minister but last week Keir Starmer the leader of the Labour Party in prime minister's question times delivered somewhat of a stinging critique of one Liz trust that has been put to music so here is Gone by Sir Keir Starmer take care everyone doodaloo au revoir let's throw it over to the leader of the opposition young Keon Wayne Starmzy you've got 15 seconds my guy let's go Gone. Corporation tax cut. Gone. 20p tax cut. Gone. Two-year energy freeze. Gone. Tax-free shopping. Gone. Economic credibility. Gone. And her supposed best friend, the former Chancellor, he's gone. Gone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.